following podcast is presented by Secret Room Multimedia. Listening to the podcast that they like to call Fair Point. We like to call it that too. Well, I, uh, that's a good name. Good name for the podcast. It is. I'm Nathan Kay. And I'm Craig Lewis. And today we're going to be talking about the golden age of handhelds. Oh, we're going to be talking about holding hands. We should have done this episode in February. No, Nathan, not holding hands. Handheld consoles, the Game Boy. Are you Game Boy? The Nintendo Game Boy, sir. That's the Nintendo Game Boy to you. TM? To the likes of you, you scruffy nerf herder. Hey! Laser-brained. I hear that scruffy nerf herders take offense to being called scruffy nerf herders. (laughs) You laser-faced Java scoundrel. (laughs) I watched uh, the paintball episode of Community recently. Oh, really? That was Andrew's attempt to placate Abed's Han Solo character she's speaking like, of community yeah the new season premiere honestly it got a little silly i liked it it was I, funny but it got a little silly it almost seemed like i don't know it was as if in some moments they're just going a little over the top being goofy with characters doing something you wouldn't expect them to do i really enjoyed it i approached it with trepidation you know three of the fucking seven main cast members are gone gone and two of them were like two of the best and i really miss shirley too it was cool how it was almost self-commenting on the fact that like a good show will change. Right. And, uh, Dan Harmon's never been afraid of changing shit, and, you know. Right. So they do have a different direction. Yeah, I think we both would agree that it's it's good to see it still alive. And... Absolutely. Uh, if you do not know, go download Yahoo Screen on the App Store for free, and you get to watch the new season of Community. I don't think you even have to download it on your computer. I think you just go, you just go to the site. Like, yeah, you just know, go to like the site. NBC. Go to Yahoo Screen. So yeah, a bunch of stuff has happened in our absence. We haven't really been that absent. It just took us a little long to get our last epically heavy, awesome episode with stand-up comedian Dan McCourt. It's a good two-and-a-half-hour beast. Yeah, that's almost, that's almost uh, is that like the second or third longest episode we've done. Probably the third. And it's totally worth a look, even if you're not into the topic. We talk about Fish, which we know a lot of people don't like that band, You'll totally dig it. It's not just for people that like fish. It's for people that don't like fish and people that don't give a shit, too. So go check that out. But by the time it came out, we figured there's not enough time to get our St. Patrick's Day special that we were planning out. to do justice. So we didn't do the St. Patrick's Day special. A bunch of personal stuff came up. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, Craig, is your birthday. How was your birthday, man? Uh, Happy late birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you said some other stuff came up. My birthday did come up and I got to celebrate my birthday by having to buy a new phone and having to uh, get my car repaired. 
So that's a good start. Always. But other than that, the actual birthday was pretty good. I have too many complaints. I went to work because I guess I am an adult. I should stop taking my birthday off. Got out. My wonderful girlfriend, Sarah, took me to Delmonico's, local Italian steakhouse restaurant, which was fantastic. Got a lot of cool shit from her, too. Um, hold on, Craig. I got it. There's somebody at the door. I'll be right Really? It's cool. Thank you. Um, it's Who's that? Some... Delmonic free Delmonicos for Craig Lewis. Oh, Delmonicos for me. Oh, hold on. Somebody's at the door again. Oh, this is wonderful. No, that's cool. Uh, we're doing a podcast though, so if there's any more, you could just like leave them on the. Yeah, thank you. Craig, I don't think. Did you did you strike a deal that every time you say the word Delmonicos, you get free Delmonicos? I don't know. Let's try it out. Delmonico's. No, let's not try it out. Let's just let the podcast continue. So I got all these awesome steaks. Sweet. Thank you. Oh, no, but I also got a lot of cool shit, too. Some uh, Batman stuff. I finally got Cacophony, uh, the Kevin Smith Batman graphic novel. Sweet. Ha- comics. You haven't read it yet. No. It's pretty good. It's cool. Good job, Walt Flanagan. I like the art. Now just waiting on the second part of The Widening Gyre, but we'll see. Probably won't. Speaking of that, Craig, have you heard the news too? Uh, Mallrats two coming Mallrats out. Mallrats two, I have heard. Makes me so happy. Is Jason Lee coming back? I'm so happy too. I'm sure Jason Lee is. It's weird though because Jeremy London and Kevin Smith haven't really been on good terms, as far as I knew, since Mallrats. Then again, Kevin Smith is like 20 years older now, and I'm sure has They're put all the past behind him. Mature, right? Jeremy London, of course, is the guy that played the main character in Mallrats. Yeah, T.S. It's nice to know that this is what retiring from filmmaking means. You're going to start a new trilogy of films. You're going to make a miniseries about hockey. You're going to do a sequel to your first movie. You're going to do a sequel to your second movie. I'm telling you, he's not retiring. No, and I'm happy. Not at all. I'm glad. A few other not-so-cool things happened in the last uh, week and a half or so that we've been away. By away, I mean editing that mammoth two-and-a-half-hour episode that... (laughs) You guys should have listened to by now. We lost (laughs) two very fucking awesome, influential people in the world of sci-fi and fantasy geekery. Oh, no. Yeah. This is terrible news. Yeah. Rest in peace to Mr. Leonard Nimoy and Mr. Terry Pratchett. Leonard Nimoy, of course, portrayed Spock on Star Trek. In Star Wars, right? In Star Wars, yes. yes. That movie. He always lived long and prospered. (laughs) Come on, Craig. I'm going to let that slide because I know you didn't mean that to uh, to be in such poor taste. I really didn't. Thank you for letting it slide. Uh, Terry Pratchett, best known for his Discworld series of novels, but he's written pff, so many fucking books. Have you read uh, Terry Pratchett? <laughs> I haven't read a lot, but I've read a few things. Um, the, the main thing that sticks out that I really enjoyed was uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett collaboration. It's called oh, shit. Good Omens. And it's about the end of the world, and it's uh, kind of biblical. Like, there's an angel and a demon that are main characters, and um, the course, Antichrist if, that if deals with Neil that. If it's Neil Gaiman, he's probably going to be talking about some angels and some demons, some, something crazy going on. So, yeah, this episode is dedicated to, to the Leonard both Nimoy of and Terry Pratchett. Leonard Nimoy, who I mostly know from his many, many Simpsons cameos. 
You, then again, that's everybody. Craig's like, my introduction to pretty much everybody and everything in pop culture. Simpsons cameo? Was through the Simpsons. That was also my introduction to the X-Files. Same episode. He's like, I don't know why anyone needs five degrees of separation to find Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah, right? Everybody's been on the Simpsons. Everybody. <laughs> you just go, so-and-so guest starred on the Simpsons. <laughs> so did Kevin Bacon. Has he? The one degree of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> He was on the fucking Simpsons. Shh, hold on, Craig. Yeah? Shh. Do you hear that? That pounding, that deep, that's an impact tremor. What is that? I I, I don't know. I didn't even say Delmonico's. No, it wasn't somebody at the door, but now there is. And now it sounds like they're being eaten alive, screaming in blood-curdling horror by a nine-foot bipedal crocodile. Did you say Tremors, like the movie with Kevin Bacon? No, I I never. Oh, I did say Tremors. You did say Tremors. And now he's being eaten out there by bipedal Tremors. (laughs) They grew in the second uh, movie. Anyways... (laughs) Scientists have recently discovered the fossilized remains of a nine-foot-long fucking bipedal crocodile in Carolina. So a croc that walked upright. Yes, sir. Hanna-Barbera did it first. (laughs) No, they didn't because this fucker lived about 231 million years ago, son. I feel like this is just another situation with a brontosaurus. Nope, this was pre-dinosaurs. Before dinosaurs? Yes. No, I'm saying what they... I know they, what you're they, saying. They took a human body, added a tail and a head of a crocodile. <laughs> Again! <laughs> Great Scott! Do you know what this is? It's a, Brilliant! It's a human body with the skull of a crocodile. And a crocodile no, it's a too. new thing! It's a bipedal crack! It. I'm going to call it the Dinosaurus. It's not even a dinosaur. <laughs> No, for real, though, uh, nicknamed the Carolina Butcher, because its proper name, Carnufex Carolinensis, pretty oh. much means the Carolina Butcher. It's, it's a fucking nine-foot-tall crocodile. That's Okay, but so it's millions of years old. Yes. Well, million-plus. Apparently, there used to be really, really big crocodiles, and then they all died out. And then there was a bunch of tiny crocodiles, like the ancestors of modern day crocodiles were yeah, like they, fox-sized and they had long skinny legs. What you're saying is the crocodile de-evolved as time went on. No, there's no such thing as de-evolving. Well, apparently there is. No. <laughs> Becoming smaller does not mean you're de-evolving. It means you're evolving. Instead of being able to walk like a crack on all twos, <laughs> now it has to waddle on all fours. And loves rolling around in the dirt on a hot, dusty day. Like a day. fucking pig. <laughs> Think of your proud crocodile ancestors that walked upright. Because sometimes it just feels good to get out of that murky swamp. I'd like to propose a theory. I think that Bigfoot is just a no. surviving Carolina butcher. Dude, you did a video on Bigfoot. <laughs> you know that's not what it is. But now I would like Animal Planet to test the theory can we take a trip to carolina so that i can falsify sightings of a living one and we can start this rumor and this whole make it a cryptid like there's living the the carolina butcher already sounds like an urban legend only if you got the plane tickets and we make sure that we make a ton of cash we got to make cash i think we can work that out lots of money moolah dinero green moon money or regular money 
Now, on to some movie news, because what's an episode of Fairpoint without some motherfucking movie news? The motherfucking movie news for this week. Boy, you just made us sound redundant. I'm sure we've all heard of this new Ghostbusters, which even though it's a reboot, I'm going to keep calling Ghostbusters 3. Which one? Ah. Well, <laughs> Kevin Fage, who's in charge of this whole awesome Marvel shit that's been going on. Yeah has been at the helm of this Ghostbusters reboot, which will feature a all-female main cast. I think it's funny how some people are like, oh, fuck this, all-girl, girl, Ghostbusters, whatever. Who cares? What you should be saying, oh, whatever, fuck this, is because Harold Ramis, Bill Murray, and Dan Aykroyd are the brand of Ghostbusters. And Winston. And Winston, of course. Winston Zedmore. Uh, <laughs> Ernie, Hudson. Ernie Hudson. Ernie <laughs> Hudson. Never forget him. But he wasn't so much the brainchild behind Ghostbusters. He was more just an actor, right? Right? Yeah. Ernie Hudson. But. Eddie Murphy was actually originally going to be Winston. Right. And then it could have just been uh, all a free-for-all from SNL. And yeah, if it, I, I'm already approaching it with trepidation because it's not the original cast and because who knows what's going to happen. I mean, because obviously we can't have the original cast. It's... But I ain't mad at it. And the last thing on my mind is the fact that it's an all-female cast. That's cool. I'm right. down to see that movie. Now, Sony has went ahead. They are so insecure about this that they have already started to put work into an all-male Ghostbusters starring Channing Tatum to may- just make up for the lack of testosterone in this other one, I guess. So... Wait, what the actual fuck? If he really wanted to make a good Ghostbusters movie that just had men because <laughs> male mind, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Guys aren't going to go see a movie with, with girls, the girls in, it. in it. Men and women no. be like different and shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> but if you were going to do that, why would... I don't know a man alive that really likes Channing Tatum as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Because he did those fucking movies with Jonah Hill. Oh, that and that is right. Now so he's, now he's a hilarious comedian. He's ha, ah, you're so funny. <laughs> you're no, I'm so saying funny. Though, but now there's a bunch of bros that think he's cool. But now it's like, okay, you take Gambit and Ghostbusters. <laughs> Damn you, Channing Tatum. I wasn't too excited about this movie. But I'm a little more excited about the all-female cast once I heard about the Channing Tatum thing, just despite the fucking Channing Tatum movie. And, dude, and it's it's such a slap to the face of... Women? The uh, Women in general. In general? The cast of the other Ghostbusters movie. The, the director? The director, yeah. Like, oh, okay, so our movie's a gimmick and you want to make sure there's a real Ghostbusters movie. Okay, like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. You're, and, what you're doing is you're just creating the gimmick. No. Channing Tatum is so un-Ghostbusters. Like, oh my God, seriously? No, Channing Tatum is a nerd. Nobody's going to buy that. Or is he going to be like the Bill Murray smart character? I just don't... Don't you dare fucking... You <laughs> wash no that mouth out with soap. He is no fucking Venkman. Nor is he... He, he can't even... He's, he's not even a Winston. <laughs> Stop dissing my man Winston. <laughs> I went from Venkman to Winston. You said he's not even a Winston. Like that's some like... Because he's not one of the main creators. You couldn't have I'm been sorry. like he's not even a Lewis Tully? Fuck you, he's not even a Winston. Yo, he's not even a Lewis Tully, but Lewis Tully wasn't one of the stars. Craig's like, look, Winston wasn't in the Nintendo game, okay? So it's not canon. I'm going by Ghostbusters NES, the official. Speaking of classic revivals and video games, we all know Mortal Kombat X is coming out soon, right? I did. I did. (laughs) I did too, Uh, obviously. (laughs) 
I'm glad you did. And I hope all the listeners did too. If they didn't care about it, skip the news, I guess. It's not, it's not your thing. <laughs> Mortal Kombat's teaming up with PDP Gaming. And they are releasing a Mortal Kombat official wireless fighting pad that looks exactly like a Sega Saturn controller. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you remember the Sega Saturn at all or the controller? Vaguely. Or... It's like a Sega Genesis Turbo controller with the six buttons. Okay. I feel like we're digressing when you just put it square, triangle, L1 as three buttons right there. I mean, I feel like there was a reason we changed them and moved them up to the top to be triggers. But for fighting games... But I guess for fighting games, it's different. A lot of people that play like in tournaments and shit, play seriously... Play on the arcade the, and they They'll have set the... it down and use their... They'll like... you know Yeah, so like yeah. for an arcade pad or something like that, if they're not going to be holding it in their hand, the L and R buttons aren't very useful. Right, but the thing is still lopsided, you know? So like it'd be weird for them to put it down yeah on the ground because the right side is smooth as a smoother finish you know almost like it's squared off and then the left side still has that contoured grip yeah it's like a playstation controller without the handle on the on the right right side side. did you know also um mortal kombat x is going to have jason Voorhees as a playable character yeah i think is that one of the pre-order exclusive bonuses from someplace like a big GameStop or it might be but I don't I I would think not because Freddy was actually in the last Mortal Kombat so right but he was originally GameStop pre-order bonus and then eventually you could buy him for like five bucks which I didn't do because fuck that one character for five bucks I don't care if it's Freddy oh they there's released... a version that they yeah. released that has him in it the ultimate version or whatever Yep. It's too bad that uh, Freddy's not in this, so you could actually play out Freddy versus Jason. That'd be awesome. And get an actual victory, actual decision. Oh, there was an actual victory in the movie. Freddy won. No, 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 no. I don't think so. Nathan, I got a question for you. 42. Close. Have you been reading Batgirl at all lately? Nope. Do you hear what happened with June's variant cover? It got pulled. No, I didn't. At the behest of the artist, actually. It caused some controversy. It leaked. And what it is, it's a picture of Batgirl bound up with a Joker grin on her face and Joker with his arm dangling around her holding onto a gun. Okay. And apparently that victimizes Batgirl and it's disgusting sexual violence and assault. And it's an outrage, and it created a shitstorm on social media. And uh, he was like, you know, I was just doing an homage to The Killing Joke, but if it offends people, I don't want it. That's I just thought it was a dark, grimy portrayal of that kind of Joker-Barbara Gordon relationship. Because mm-hmm. uh, June is also Joker month, you know. So okay. He was doing something like that to pay homage to one of his biggest inspirations, and he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it would have caused any harm. And he asked for it to get pulled and got pulled. Okay. I have not seen the cover, nor am I necessarily familiar with the artist's work. I probably am, but... Well, I didn't even tell you the artist. Who was it? Was, it was uh, Raphael Albuquerque. Okay. So I'm probably familiar, but not just like off the top of my head. But it is funny because there is obviously clearly a problem with that type of uh, trope being so prevalent in certain types of entertainment. Right. But very often, people do get thrown under the bus, innocent people. Like the, the Spider-Woman cover, I I didn't have any problems with. I saw it as, well, that's how Spider-Man poses. That's how Spider-Woman poses. Right. That's, that's how they crawl around. That's what spiders be looking like and shit. 
Um, you just showed me this cover, and yeah, I don't see any problems. Sexual violence. With it. I don't see sexual assault in that either. It's funny because during Villains Month last year, every single there were like fifty fucking comics that had Batman chained up in a very like. Ugh. Like S and M yeah, <laughs> and uh, that made I'm me Batman. uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm Batman. Are you Christian Grey? <laughs> yeah, um, who's that? Is that that's 50, 50 Shades, Shades of Grey, dude? Is that why the book's called Fifty Shades of Grey? Supposedly. Oh my yes. god, Fifty Shades of his asshole bleachings. I don't know. Speaking of fighting crime, oh, you got Batman news too. I got some cop news. What you cop gonna Batman? do? When they come for you, bad boys, bad boy cops is not filmed in a studio audience. (laughs) I remember that show. Cops is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. Clerks is drawn before a live studio audience. (laughs) Jose Espinoza was running from the cops after being charged with car theft and possession of stolen property. And the car is a stolen property. Right. Just trumping up charges. Double charge. Double charge. To escape the cops, he employed a new maneuver never before been tried. He spray painted himself black. Now he's like, I'm a black guy. (laughs) He went down in history as the first person to ever be like, I am running from the cops. It's a good Man, idea. I should I I should probably be black right now. <laughs> it would help that me get would away. Be way better. <laughs> <laughs> hey, black guy. Did you see that Mexican guy? Wait a second. <laughs> and that's that news story. <laughs> if he was really smart, he would have just spray painted himself white. <laughs> Excuse me, milkman. You there, the albino. (laughs) So, in other cop news. More cop news. More cop news. Retired NYPD Lieutenant Frank Mara, back in September of 2001, he was tasked with searching for human remains in all the uh, Ground Zero rubble that was being... Oh, and he found an upright uh, crocodile. Yeah, you already said this one. Yes. (laughs) And that's where it began. Origin story. Yeah, it was the, wasn't originally from Carolina. It's from New York City, Ground Zero. Actually, this was at the Fresh Kills Landfill on Staten Island. Now, hold on. The, the what? I'm sorry, name? The Fresh Kills Landfill. That's a real place. It's been around for a very, very long time. And its name, the Fresh Kills, nothing to do with death. Kills refers to the Dutch word for riverbed. So really creepy that that's the place that he had to sort through ground zero rubble in the immediate days following the wake of September 11th. They were fresh for dead bodies. Yeah. Wow. While working, he saw an African-American woman dressed in white in the style of a World War II Red Cross worker from about 50 yards away. Oh, so it was a ghost. Every time he tried to look at her and focus on her, she'd disappear. But he would turn his head and she'd come back. Which is how he knew that she was dressed in World War II garb. The color of peeled onions. (laughs) Jam! I hate to say this about a... First responder? 
Yeah, first responder. But I, I feel like I'm calling bullshit. You did not see from 50 yards away somebody that every time you tried to look at them, they'd disappear and identify. That was clearly an African-American woman in white garb, the style of Red Cross right. people in World War Two. So what you're saying is people that are just barely seeing something out of focus and then it dematerializes in front of them when they actually look and focus... Uh, they don't get to know specific details. No, what I'm saying is it's obvious he saw Champ. He saw the Lake Champlain monster. It was attracted by the mayhem, destruction, horror, tragedy, and sadness of 9-11. So, you know, as monsters are like that fucker. And yeah, it, it makes fucking sense. swam up the the, 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 the fucking... Riverbed? The riverbed. Fresh kills. That's what that's what the river's called. Fresh kills. Yeah. Yeah, it swam up fucking fresh kills because it was looking for some fresh kills. So there was an outlet from Lake Champlain to Fresh Kills River? Yeah, they... I hope. I, it's not far. If not, then you know what that means. He's begun walking. <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah, I'm kind of tired too. Let's be uh, done. Well, we don't have to stop. We don't have to be done. Because, you know, this podcast has been a lot of extra work and extra strain ever since Mecca Brandon Dyer's processor mysteriously went missing and he just stopped working. But it's all good. I actually put in some elbow grease. And over the past week, another reason I've been too busy to be able to get the St. Patrick's episode out. Nathan, what did you do? I built us a new Just the Facts spot. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dan Meccacourt. Uh, you got to stop doing this, comedians. No. Let me, let me wind him up, and we'll have our Just the Facts. St. Patrick was a... Fifth, fifth, fifth century Christian missionary in Ireland. No, that doesn't sound right. No, that's not right. That's damn it. This that was a, what last week's was supposed to be. This one's a piece of shit. Doesn't work. This week we're doing the Game Boy. Yay, Game Boy, Game Boy. It's the best console. Just the facts. Game Boy was a computer from the Mirror World that was sent to Videoland by King Charles to help defeat Mother Brain. He later became part of the N team, led by Captain N, but was a frequent, you know, annoyance to them because he was he was programmed to play and he just liked to play games and he was too playful for a serious lot of Yeah, it's see the funny likes. thing is I know exactly what you're talking about, so that's awesome. Yes, that's what our episode's about, right? Not Captain N, no. It's about Game Boy. It's about the Game Boy. Oh, Game Boy versus the Game Boy. The Nintendo Game Boy? The flying system? Okay, well, have it your way. The reality or the cartoon? Game Boy is an 8-bit portable Nintendo gaming system. We all know what the fuck a Game Boy is, right? Our audience can't be that young. Actually, I don't know. Did you see any? Oh, maybe they probably on our audience. But, you know, you ever seen the videos of, like, kids responding to what a Game Boy is and, like, Hmm, what is this hunk of machinery? <laughs> yeah, kids react is fucking brilliant on YouTube. It's it's hilarious. I had a Game Boy, the big fucking fat clunky original fucker. Yep, me too. I got it in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mecca Craig. I got it in Nine. 1990. 
Game Boy was also the first video game system in space. Russian astronaut yeah. Alexander Serebrov brought it along with of him. Of course he played Tetris. I actually have a quote from him. Oh, really? Yeah. It's pretty funny. He sent the Game Boy back down to Earth with a, attached with a note. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like he, like not in the, like he sent it out of the shuttle? Yeah. To like plummet towards the Earth <laughs> like a fucking meteor? I believe it wasn't. It's just like, good luck, little Game Boy. Hope you make it back to Earth in times. <laughs> no, I believe he. Don't shoot. Out. There are no life forms. <laughs> no, the Game Boy came back down to Earth. And it had a note attached to it from him. Uh, it was what? Oh, thank Alex- God. Otherwise, that'd be horrifying. <laughs> it was Alexander Serberov, right? Is that the name? Yes. The astronaut. Uh, like old cosmonauts, I love sport. My particular favorites are football and swimming. During flight, in rare moments of leisure, I enjoyed playing Game Boy. End quote. And he got some free Delmonico's for saying that. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Do you know that uh, that Game Boy with the packaging and the note actually sold in a charity auction? How much? Twelve hundred bucks. Cool. It was just a few years ago, two thousand eleven. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's space history. That's American history. That's video game history. So the Game Boy was released in nineteen eighty nine, but let's wind it back a little bit further. Oh, how far back we going, my friend? We going to the time of the disco jive? <laughs> the man that created the Game Boy, Craig, his name is Gunpei Yokoi. And Super sly, foxy name. This is a dude that you we should know his name. His name should be as well known as Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah, the, he is he's been right up there at the top of development for a lot of Nintendo. Not just Nintendo, the things that he's done for the video game world. Let me throw one at you. He created the fucking D-pad. He created the D-pad? Yeah, that's on every fucking single controller. Yeah, he uh, he's a master of the D. <laughs> well, as far as the video game industry is concerned, everybody wants the D. Because the D-pad is on every single controller. If you don't know what it is, it's the little cross. It's... It's like a it looks like a four-way button but it's actually an eight-way directional control. Yes, D-pad stands for directional pad. Good job, greatest detective in the world over here. Super. And I didn't know I was sitting here with Batman. Thought he was Bruce oh, Wayne. Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty Spoiler good, but I don't know if I'm Batman good. So, Gunpei Yokoi and his development team, Nintendo Research and Development 1, were the people that created the Game Boy. But Yokoi was originally hired by Nintendo in 1965 to man the assembly line machines that fucking made their playing cards. I don't know if you knew this about Nintendo. They used to do playing cards? Yeah, they've been around since like 1880 or something, and they were a playing card company. Right, they had Mario and Donkey Kong. No. (laughs) (laughs) Different games. I get it. Eventually they're like, we need to bring them to a, a telebox. A picture box, if you will. Oh, jeez. Maybe get them on the Jackie Gleason. So in his free time, Yokoi would design toys at home. That was his hobby and his passion. His hobby? Well, of course, he's working at an assembly line. Uh, his passion is toys. Yeah, well, one day his bosses asked him, they found out about his hobby, and they asked him to design a toy for them. So he designed this little 
grabby arm thing, like one of those spring, like not like a spring, but it's it's it like compacts, kind of like the zigzag design that like you squeeze the handles and yeah, it and reaches extends. out. Sold like crazy that holiday season. So he climbed his way up out of the assembly line. That's good. Fish don't fry in the kitchen. <laughs> Once, though, while traveling by train, he saw this bored businessman idly playing with an LCD calculator to keep his time, and inspiration hit him. What kind of inspiration was that? Because this guy was just playing with a calculator. He thought about the LCD technology and how that could be utilized on a small, lightweight device whose battery lasts an insanely long amount of time. Yeah, but he doesn't work for Casio. To make a game. No, he works for Nintendo. <laughs> he works for Nintendo. And they were really involved in toys and games. So he thought we could make something of that. So he was thinking that maybe if they did that, this businessman would buy one of these and not be so bored. Well, see, he he has a uh, philosophy known as Kareta Gijutsu no Suehi Shiko. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> Oh, he's such a sly boots. Or lateral thinking with withered technology. Basically, rather than developing new technology, work with technology that we're already really, really familiar with and find novel and innovative ways to make it fun and new. Yeah, that's real smart. I mean, brilliant. So with that ideology, he, along with Nintendo Research and Development One, created the Game & Watch, which, if you're not familiar with it, was this fold-out video game system you could wear around your wrist as a watch. Not all of them were fold-outs, but... Fair enough. It was LCD, very simple gaming, like the Tiger Electronic games, but it was was made by Nintendo, so it was better quality. Believe it was better quality about 10 years before Tiger Electronic games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Tiger Electronic games are pieces of shit, but it has it uses that same like LCD type over a blank background type thing where there's already pre-rendered uh, visuals. Yeah, and that's where the character from Super Smash Brothers comes from, Mister Gay Men Watch. Yeah, guy with oh stick guy. That's what I call him in Smash Brothers, stick guy. <laughs> I call him Mister Gay Men Watch. <laughs> but what watch what? So before creating the Game Boy, he also helped Shigeru Miyamoto, who that's basically the Stan Lee of Nintendo. He created Mario, Donkey Kong, Zelda, Metroid. Everything we know as Nintendo was Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah. and Or Gunpei. Uh, Gunpei Yokoi worked with Miyamoto on the original Mario Brothers. Not the side-scrolling game, but the one where you're just in there with the pipes and you jump on each other's heads. Yes, Mario. It's like an arcade-type game. Yes. With- has the little duck guys. He was also the supervisor of the original Donkey Kong arcade game. Koopas. Koopas is what I was thinking. Oh, little duck guys. They're not ducks. They're turtles. They're little duck turtles. Duck turtles. Koopa. He also worked on Metroid. They're fucking duck turtles. (laughs) And Metroids are jellyfishes. (laughs) Yes, Craig. They're duck turtles. (laughs) He also worked on Zelda, Tetris. He designed Rob, the robot, you know, R-O-B, the fucking Nintendo oh, robot. Oh, so that's somebody I have to blame for something. He and designed the Virtual Boy, too, he right? He later designed the Virtual Boy, which... Unfortunately. He wasn't finished developing the Virtual Boy. He didn't want it to be released 
It wasn't ready, right? The, the state it was. And they wanted to release it, and they did. And it tanked and failed horribly. Because and it was terrible. Nintendo just shit all over him after that point. Like, they didn't fire him. They just didn't let him do anything anymore. Do you know he was actually planning on retiring shortly after? Which he did. He he left Nintendo. He created another game system on his own. Right, but he didn't leave right up. after the Virtua Boy. He decided he wasn't going to go down like that. That's when he made the Game Boy Pocket. Finally, he was like, okay, I did the Game Boy yeah, Pocket. They had been working on the Game Boy Pocket for a while, too, yeah. I can leave now. And then, sadly, very shortly after that, he was fucking hit by a car. Tragically. Yeah, yeah. on the highway. He, got in a, he rear-ended somebody, and when he got out of his car, he was hit by two cars. Damn. Yeah. Ah. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the fact... What he created. That he created the Game Boy. It really was a masterpiece of early 90s technology. It is unsurprisingly sturdy. Sturdy is all hell. Did you see uh, that there's a Game Boy that was actually in war and it went through a bombing and it still works? Yeah, I saw the picture still of it. still fucking works, man. Just, if you don't believe me, Google it. But if you really want to see it in person, just go to the Nintendo World Store in New York City. It's there on display. Tetris is playing in it. Not Nobody's playing an actual game. I don't know if you can actually play it. It might turn to dust by now, but... No, it it can be played. It's because it's in a box. It'll it'll radioactively contaminate you. I don't believe it was radioactive materials in the bombing. I think it was just a regular bomb. Now, if it survived a nuclear bomb, that would be something to talk about. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's not an iPod classic. (laughs) You think that could withstand? It could withstand anything. Oh, yeah? You'll see. Has it been to space? You'll see, probably. Maybe. I wouldn't go to space without one. (laughs) Do you think astronauts now are like, yep. I don't leave Earth without my iPod Classic. First first trip, I took my fucking shuffle. What a mistake. I got so sick of hearing those same 23 songs, songs over and that's over. that's how you can fit on it. Nathan, I got some Game Boy trivia for you. Okay. Do you know what the most expensive Game Boy is that was ever sold in this world? Uh, $12,000. It was the one that went to space. And there no, was that was 1200 to it. And Oh, no. 1200 <laughs> And no. <laughs> Do you have another answer? 42. <laughs> Closer? <laughs> you are terrible at this game. Uh, it was diamond encrusted and gold plated. About $30,000. God damn. That's By a who? fine ass Game Boy. Who encrusted it with diamonds? Asprey Jewelers in London. They are, I don't know what they were doing. Never heard of them. They must not be important. It's probably for vanilla ice. Yo, <laughs> yo, I want you to pimp out this Game Boy, son. Uh, make it icy, you know what I'm saying? Want this icy Game Boy like cold me. as ice. Cool as ice, cold as ice, smooth like silk. Just blang. But he stole the Game Boy. He stole the original Game Boy, then paid 30000 to have a diamond encrusted. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I had this Game Boy since like before Ice Ice Baby, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> So yeah, the Game Boy was so popular, sold so well, even though there were a few more technically superior handheld systems. You the mean Atari like Lynx, the, the Game, Game Gear. Gear. The Lynx really wasn't that good. It, the screen was terrible. Fair enough. On the Lynx. Uh, the Game Gear was, yeah, the Game Gear was cool. But the Game Boy. <laughs> I had one of those too. For one, it's battery power. 
Battery was, powers was crucial. Lasted way longer. Whereas, you have no idea. You have to go to the DMV with your mom. You can't bring the Game Gear because you just don't have enough battery power. <laughs> for the fucking DMV. Yeah, for the DMV. People know. You guys know, all understand. Craig tried. Craig brought his Game Gear along. I did. Afterwards, he just looked at his mom and he was like, now I know. He's like, I'm so sorry. I know Now I know the struggle of being an adult. You're, you must be so bored. <laughs> I'm not even talking to you. But now I have to talk to you. <laughs> Mom, my Game Gear died. See, if you had a Nintendo Game Boy, if you would have brought that instead, you wouldn't have been caught in that situation. Exactly. And it also had Nintendo developing some fucking amazing games for it. There were some great games. And there were great games on the Game Gear, but maybe not as many on the Atari Lynx. Uh, The Game Gear is mostly just Sonic. Those are really good games. I don't know what happened to my Game Gear. I'm sure it broke, so I threw it out or something. I don't know. (laughs) So the Game Boy launched with six games. That's it? Just six games? Well, a few of them were ports of Nintendo games, like you've got Baseball and Tennis, which... Was a port from, oh, the NES Black Box games. Yeah. There was also Yakuman, which was not a precursor to Pokemon. Was that even released in North America? I don't know, but it, it was a Mahjong game, so nothing too Yaku- groundbreaking No, Yakuman there. wasn't even released. It was only released in Japan. And then you've also got Alleyway, which was a breakout clone. You know, breakouts like Pong, but with bricks to break, where you yeah, bounce the ball back breakout. and forth. Anybody with a graphing calculator might know about breakout. What, you can do breakout on graphing calculators? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had really? that on my calculator, yeah. What? I had that. I had Drug Wars. I had Snake. Drug Wars? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Drug Wars? It was like a text-based game where you just, like... Are a criminal and you buy drugs. They had that on them. a graphing calculator. Well, you had to get somebody to get it on there for you. You, know? oh. you had to know. It was like one of those games that somebody made and it got passed. Usually, <laughs> if you were found to have drug wars and playing it in school, you would actually get in a lot of trouble and you'd have your graphing calculator taken away from yeah. you. I'm like, where did you get this graphing calculator? Spencer's Gifts? <laughs> <laughs> no, Staples. Why you ask? <laughs> TI-83. Come on. And then one thing I like about Alleyway is, according to the you know like cover art of the game, your paddle is a spaceship you're inside of as you bounce this giant ball back and forth in space on like basically a 2D plane because there's this 2D right, has to be. group of bricks coming at you that you could easily just go up and over or under. <laughs> and like this guy's job must suck. You just have to bounce this ball back and forth and destroy Dude, bricks. are you kidding me? The fate of the galaxy depends on him. <laughs> And then there's Tetris. We all know Tetris. We all know Tetris. Oh, I don't want to get sued today. Good thing you changed it up. <laughs> and Super Mario Land. Oh, Super Mario Land. That was literally one of the, the best games ever You think so? For. I do. I even liked... Uh, actually, fuck it. I'm going to put it out there. I like Super Mario Land 2 better. Yeah, Super Mario Land 2 was better. It was awesome. Super Mario Land was cool. It it was weird. I spent so many hours on that game. Mario travels to Sarasa Land to rescue Princess Daisy from the alien Tatanga. Ooh, Tatanga. Nothing like 
other Mario games, although it was gameplay wise similar. Instead right. of fireballs, you threw like lead balls and like yeah. It well, it's weird. lead because they were black. There was all that whole dot. But they bounced thing. differently too. They did bounce differently. They would yeah they would no. bounce straight up and then they would keep bouncing around the room. Yeah, that is right. Uh, you flew around in a spaceship. You had all these sphinxes trying to breathe fire at you. Yeah, it was really odd, but I liked it. Fun game. Uh, but I, in Super Mario Land 2, you, you got to beat up ants. I had Super Mario Land. That was in everybody's Game Boy game collection. There's at least one game that the label's been totally ripped off of. Oh, yeah? <laughs> that was Mario Land for me. Really? Yeah, I was like, oh, that's Mario Land. If people are looking, what game's this? I've never had a game that's been totally with no. the label totally ripped off. You must have seen it at friend's house. Everybody's have, game yes. collection has at least one. Yeah, where it's messed up. Don't worry, I'll fix it next time I come over and see your Nintendo collection. Most, I'll, uh, I'll rip the cover off one of them. What's the most disappointing Nintendo game you ever played? Can we get into this? I want to get into this I right now. Um, I have one specific one that always stuck out of my mind. It was one I got for my birthday and I wanted so bad. And Mario's missing. Did they make that for Game Boy? Oh, you just said Nintendo. Game oh, Boy? I meant Game Boy. Nintendo Game Boy game. There's too many to count if you're bringing in the NES into here. So what was it? Bart versus the Juggernauts. It was like the American Gladiator clone ripoff for the Simpsons. Oh, really? I never played that. Terrible. dude. And Marvin Monroe is like the commentator for some reason. You know, Dr. Marvin Monroe. Weird. Yeah, it was just... It was... A horrible game is is similar to uh, Bart versus the World on the NES. Only you were doing like sports style death defying mini games instead of flying through di- you know going around the world instead of just being in Springfield. I had Super Mario Land. I had Donkey Kong, which was like the arcade game, but I think it had way more levels. Like, well, it obviously had way more. Obviously, levels. yeah. And it was really fun. It was one of my favorite. Uh, Game Boy games. So you had Donkey Kong? Yes. I also had We're Back. <laughs> Do you remember the movie We're Back? Yeah. Was I had, have John that on VHS. Goodman was the T-Rex, right? Yes. Yep. It's a pretty awful Terrible. video game. They're going to say movie. Terrible movie. And the video game's even worse. You run around and you throw boxes of the cereal at the bad guys that are trying to kill you. So it just makes them happy and... <laughs> stupid you don't actually kill them it's so dumb um i had kirby's dreamland which was Did another you? great i've actually game. never played a kirby game in my life they're good i always not... thought he was a white guy turns out he's pink turns out he's a little pink puffball i always puff thought ball. he was just a white guy you know like bill maher or adam sandler no no more like kevin james because <laughs> he's fat get it <laughs> Ah, Kevin James will get it. That's the only kind of jokes he knows how to make anyways. I also had the, the Game Boy Tamagotchi, which as a fan of Virtual Pets, it was dope. You could care for three at once. There was a bunch <laughs> of it was better graphics. There it's was like, all sorts of new shit you could do. I it. got Tamagotchi in my Game Boy, son. Get on my level. <laughs> three at once. Can you do three at once? Oh, yeah. Only if you got three separate little keychains. Oh, wait. Hold on. They're sick. No, just hold on a second, man. And I also had Link's Awakening, which are you into Ooh. Zelda games? Uh, I, you know, I never was before. I've gotten more into them recently. I in the past 10 years, I would say. Fucking love Link's Awakening. I think it's one of the best Zelda games. So good. Did they redo that game on the DS or the 3DS? 
you can get it in the store for like two or three dollars. Oh, okay. Totally worth the money. I think there are five Game Boy games that are just iconic and probably the the best five the, the five Game Boy games that matter. The first of them being Link's Awakening. Okay. Pokemon Red and Blue. The originals, classic. Tetris. Of course. Classic. Super Mario Land. Still classic. And Final Fantasy Adventure. Hmm. Which Final Fantasy Adventure was a full RPG for the Game Boy, but it was actually the first secret of Mana game. No way. But they called it Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy Adventure, Adventure because huh? you slap Final Fantasy on there. And then it, it sells. sells more. Yeah. It sells more than Secret of Mana. Um, that's cool. You have the one game that I remember playing and having the most fun playing, or actually two. It's funny because they're probably not even anywhere near on your radar, but, <laughs> but the two that I remember the most that I had that I loved because I only had a very few select amount of games and I didn't have too much control over which games I had. Um, so obviously the terrible one was Bart versus the Juggernauts. And the two great ones were uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Back from the Sewers. Such a fun game. I remember, so if it was actually a terrible game, uh, don't, don't. Was Bring it me a, down, man. Like side scrolling beat yeah, em up. Yeah, it was a side scrolling beat em up. Cool. And the other one was Bill and Ted's Excellent Game Boy Adventure. I had so much fun playing that. I don't know why. It was a stupid little game where all you did was teleport through the telephone box from level to level to get where you need to go and avoid uh, people from a different time era trying to kill you, walking back and forth. You know, one way to avoid people from a different time era? Don't get in the fucking time machine. Well, they've they've screwed up the whole time stream. We now they're just that all the over the way. place. Abraham Lincoln's shooting at you. I mean, what the fuck is crazy? Sounds righteous. I got a little bit of little tidbit that you probably didn't know about the Game Boy. Do you know that the Game Boy is actually sold by a company that wasn't Nintendo? No, what company? Hyundai. What? Yeah, because there was an embargo after World War II. Between uh, South Korea and Japan, so they couldn't get any imports in. So what they did was Hyundai sold the Game Boy under a different name. What? It was called the Mini Comboy. They were like, get those ducats by any means necessary. <laughs> get that ducat. Yeah, the Mini Comboy by Hyundai, the car company. <laughs> That's how South Korea gets its Game Boy fix. The dictator just one day is playing it, and he's like, oh, this is so fun. I love Mario, and this one guy's like Mario. But the, the Russian dictator of South Korea? I didn't say Russian. Did uh, I say Russian? No, because you were kind of started speaking in a Russian accent. Oh, I wasn't trying to. Uh, it just kind of went there. You're like, I love Mario. Oh. <laughs> Squirloff. Mario's for making fun time. Um, and his his dude, his guard dude, is like, Mario, but... Mario's only on Nintendo systems. And he's like, no, he's not. He's on this Super Hyundai game. <laughs> super guy. Comboy, Mini Comboy guy guy. <laughs> and, and that's how he figured it out. And he just slams his fist on the table and he's like, damn. <laughs> that's how he figured it out. <laughs> I didn't create the Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be kidding me. You're still teaching that at school, though, right? You guys are fired. <laughs> All of you are fired. I'm the dictator, Clint Howard. <laughs> Damn it, Clint Howard's getting roles everywhere. He's such a tyrant. So Nintendo also released the Game Link Cable, which allowed you to link two Game Boys together. Brilliant. It would 
come into relevancy years later when Pokemon came out, when you could trade and battle your friends. But you could use it to play. Well, at first you could play Tetris together. Yeah, totally. And there was extra stuff that could get you to play four players in other games. Dude, did you know there is a I Game Boy game did. that supports 16-player games? No. Yep. No. What is it? One like, game. Is this a LAN party? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> With the Game Boys? Dude, it really was. Faceball 2000. I don't know if you remember that. I, do, I remember, for some reason, I remember the cover. Yep, with the little smiley <laughs> yeah. face and the crosshairs. Yep, yeah. that's all I remembered as well. It was originally a PC game. It was uh, FPS, first-person shooter, and you'd wander through this 3D maze, and everyone would appear as floating smiley faces of different colors, and you'd shoot each other. So that was like the original uh, 007? Sure. <laughs> Bond. And, yeah. Smiley face Bond. You could play 16 player games on your yeah. Game Boys. With 16 Game Boys, and I imagine a... That could be a pretty hefty capture of the flag you get going. But the, the Link Cable, though, I am such a hardcore Pokemon trainer at heart. When I was in middle school, I would wear my Link Cable as a necklace. Ugh. Just in case <laughs> I needed it. Ugh. You know, I never actually <laughs> owned a Link Cable. I I never actually played a Pokemon's game until like 2010. This is sad for me, actually, thinking back on it. I was, I felt like I was too old for it, but I don't know. Weird. Anyways, the Link Cable, brilliant. You know what else was brilliant? Some of the other access, accessory. <laughs> Some of the other accessories that came out with Nintendo. Do you ever have uh, the Game Boy Light? The little thing you clipped onto the Game Boy that had like a little light and a magnifying glass with it? My friend did. Worst thing in the world. My friend also had the speakers that you could put on the Game Boy. So you could put the speakers on it and the light. (laughs) Did not work. Had this huge... And then there was another one I had that like a magnifying glass dropped down. Yeah. Did not work. (laughs) Not at all. It was not good. Did you have the official Game Boy carrying case? Nope. Big plastic thing. You know what I'm talking about though? Looks yeah. like a rectangular lunchbox almost. Okay, that's what there's, I imagined. Yeah, it's filled with a bunch of foam, and there's like a slot for like 15 Game Boy games, and then for the Game Boy itself, was and it, room for one ex- one it, accessory. Was it shaped like Darth Vader's head? No. Then I'm not interested. Next accessory. <laughs> Damn, you cold. But then in 1994, the ultimate accessory was released, the Super Game Boy. Yeah, because... Who didn't want to take their Game Boy games that they were playing in the cars and actually want to play them on consoles? It was awesome, dude. Especially you could play with... Tetris on a Super Nintendo. Yeah, but it was better with the advent of Pokemon and stuff like that. Because I sometimes you do want to not use up four AA batteries when you're going to play Pokemon for 20 out of the 24 hours Fair in enough. a day. Oh, wow, man. <laughs> I was not allowed to stay up that late. <laughs> That's crazy, though. Did you know that the Super Game Boy is basically a Game Boy itself, just without the screen and buttons? It had all the hardware of a Game Boy, because the Super Nintendo didn't have the emulator capabilities to play Game Boy games. So it was like they plugged in a full Game Boy into the Super Nintendo. Yeah. That's crazy. That is really cool. I had one of those, and it was awesome. Actually, my first experience with the Pokemon game itself. See, Your I was first in- Pokemon experience was on a Super Game Boy? Yes. Wow. I, I was introduced to Pokemon through Nintendo Power, 
and the internet. And I was... Get the power! I was telling all my friends this Pokemon thing. It's going to be fucking dope. It's going to be so cool. I can't wait for this to come out in America. And they're like, yeah, whatever. It looks all right. Then it came out and they're like, oh, Pokemon. 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 And... I like the card game. My neighbor, his parents were more likely to just buy him shit than mine were. Right. My parents definitely wouldn't just buy him shit. Right. <laughs> so you're you're like or going me. going to your friend. You're like, yo, can you get your parents to buy you this for me? No, but he calls me and he's like, dude, I got Pokemon. And I'm like, oh, grab the Super Game Boy. Went to his house. We went in the basement, played Pokemon for the first time. I'm like, word, let me make a file after you. And he's like, no, I think you only have one save file. And I was like, what? This cannot be. And of course, nowadays... I appreciate that aspect of Pokemon. but That there's only one save file? Yeah. And that it's a fucking pain in the ass to delete one if you buy a used game? Oh, here. I just have to go uh, online and find out how to delete somebody else's previous save file. Yeah, but you can go online. It's better than your little brother just erasing all your Pokemon after you've played that game for 72 hours. Fair enough. I don't have a little brother, so I wouldn't know what that's like. It happened to a lot of people. The little brother just like, I'm going to play this Pokemon game and race it. Yeah, Start people. a new game. So the early uh, iterations, it was easy to delete the save file? You just save. Somebody could just pick up your game, start a new game, save their game. Your game's gone. Oh, shit. I've had save files deleted on me. That, that sucks. Especially with Pokemon when it became clear that people were trading over Pokemon that they had been raising for almost a decade at the point, you know. It's like, we can't let people just lose Right, I totally know what you're talking about. I've, like, totally been on the ninth level of Contra for the first time, and my sister just shot the, the TV it's off. It's not the, the same Nintendo thing. off. Not the same thing. It was to me. Pokemon are living creatures, Craig. Con- Moving on. Contra is aliens. <laughs> Uh, in 1995, Nintendo launched the Play It Loud campaign. Huh? Speak up! You gotta make it louder. That basically released a line of colored Game Boys. Red, green, black, yellow, white, blue, and clear. I thought the clear one was so cool when I was a kid. You could see the motherboards and yeah, the circuitry right? and the glaive. And... <laughs> in 1996, though, was the first time we actually got a new version of the Game Boy. They released the Game Boy Pocket which was a slimmer and lighter version, used less batteries. Right. Yeah, I never had any of these other Game Boy versions. I only had the original brick giant Game Boy. I I eventually got a Game Boy Color, but for a long time I did too, and people would make fun of me. Like, we were all playing Pokemon, and I bust out my Game Boy, and they'd make fun of me. Like, you got that ancient giant brick. Ancient, motherfucker. It's like three years old. Like <laughs> Ancient. Totally ancient technology. Get out of it. Forget about it. Forget about it. It wasn't three years old. It was like seven years old, but still. But I didn't realize that the Game Boy Color could actually do motion controls. It was capable of that. There was actually a game, oh, a Kirby really? game, uh, where you use motion controls to make him move around. It was called Kirby the Tumble. Til- the Till okay. and Tumble. Yeah, I forgot about that. And in Japan only in 1998, they released the Game Boy Light, which was finally a Game Boy with a backlight for when you're playing in the dark. That was one of the problems with the Game Boy was the screen was so dull that in certain lighting situations, you couldn't even see the screen. However, in 1998, all over the fucking place, they released the Game Boy camera. They released it all over. (laughs) They released the Game Boy camera all over your face. (laughs) Ow! It's made of plastic. That hurt. (laughs) 
The Game Boy camera. Did you have one? Yes, I did. And before I had one, I used to go to Media Play and use their demo Game Boy camera. Really? Yes. I never could, used the Game you Boy could camera. Print out pictures there and stuff. <laughs> That's funny. Do you know it was actually at the time the world's smallest digital camera? Yes, sir. Crazy. It was really cool, and there's so many creepy, weird Easter eggs in it. Like, nothing that we could do justice talking about on a podcast. Just really weird, creepy pictures when there's disc errors and stuff. It's oh, cool. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Neil Young used the Game Boy camera to make one of his album covers, actually. Silver no and- shit. Yeah, Silver and Gold. That's interesting. What's the album cover look like? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you find out for yourself. Fine. Fuck you. No, it's it looks like... Uh, you know, like you said earlier, you can print out pictures. It was like one of those dot matrixy things. Yeah, that's it's what... Just very crappy, poor resolution. All the photos looked like that. And you could put little stamps of like Pokemon or Mario on there. No, but it's literally just a man with his arms folded at his hips, like just staring off into the distance. It's all it is. But it just is done all shittily, poor resolution-y. But they looked cool. Yeah. And I got an app that can make my pictures look like a Game Boy camera did it. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And you can also you could also play games with your face like on the character. Like it was the first version of Mii's. Oh yeah, like you could do that with the DSs now, right? Yeah, absolutely. But the ultimate Game Boy accessory was released also only in Japan sadly in Aww. 1998, the Game Boy Pocket Sonar. Did you say pocket sonar? Yes, sir, I did. An actual sonar attachment. You put it on your Game Boy. It can locate fish up to 65 feet underwater. And it gives you this little sonar display on the Game Boy screen. That was crazy. It also came with a little fishing game installed in it, too. Fucking (laughs) So while you're bored as fuck fishing, looking for fish, you you can can play a game where you're actually catching fish. But all you find is Magikarp. Oh... Oh, man, if all you need is one. Turn into a Gyarados, you're good. A little bit later in 1998, they released the Game Boy Color. Right along with the release of Pokemon Gold and Silver. Right. Now, this was the Game Boy that actually had color in it, right? Like, the it was a colored screen. Yeah. Or was it just the color of the actual game? Because the original Game Boy, it wasn't black and white. It was this pea green color. They could display three different shades of green. That was it. Right. And that was, uh, they used green because that was, the, that tested the best against the other, any other colors with the dot matrix. Oh, Okay. That makes any sense. I, I, it might. Supposedly, if you played the Virtual Boy for too long, like for over an hour, when you took it off and looked right, around. Right, you stepped into the dot matrix. No, you couldn't see the color red anymore because it was so red. Craig's oh, like, well, God. that's fine. I can't see the color red right now. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> fuck red it. Looks you like fuckers a know fuchsia. how it feels to be me now. I'm, boy, am I. That's what must have happened. I can't see the color red now because I played the Virtual Boy for far too long. <laughs> As a kid. But yeah, the Game Boy Color was pretty cool. To It could even, what was really cool, it could even take older Game Boy games and display them in color. What? So you could play Super Mario Land in color? Yeah, the color wasn't as good as games made for the Game Boy Color. Right, because but... I mean, this game was made without the intention of having color in it. Yeah, but it did a pretty good job. That's crazy, though. Uh, the Game Boy Color was also the first handheld to have wireless capabilities and connections. That's right. In 1998, like, 
like people these days, kids and stuff, they don't understand what kind of a mind fuck in 1998 it was to be able to connect to the internet wirelessly. Well, it would mainly connect to each other or to another you one. Would, you yeah. would hold them near each other, and, and all you it could did was trade, use and you could trade Pokemon without a link cable and stuff. But yeah, and all it did was use the same technology that used in remote controls. Again, lateral thinking with withered technology. But in the year 2001, we stepped into the next generation of Game Boy technology. The advanced generation. Yes. Of Game Boy. Game Boy Advanced. Aptly named. Gunpai Yakoi would be proud. Looking like a Game Gear and shit. Right? <laughs> Right. It added L and R buttons and it had technical power comparable to an SNES, which is pretty dope. Yeah, that's 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 not too bad. Not too shabby. There. She Yeah, the Game Boy Advance was awesome. I personally loved the Game Boy Advance SP, which was a little flip open one that came out two years later. Right. The one that kind of inspired uh the DS look, right? Or well the guy that created it says he did. Oh, okay. I feel like but the game and watch the game and watch would have been a bigger inspiration, DS, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah. But I loved my Game Boy Advance SP. I still have it and it, it was a great fold flip mini Game Boy. But the Game Boy Advance was a little like wider, right? And then the yeah. SP Advance version was thinner. It was just like Yeah, I'm not a fan of the original Game Boy Advance, but the SP was awesome. You're not a fan of the original Game Boy Advance? The design of it. The design of the SP was more like a Game Boy. I guess. Yeah. They also released in 2005 this tiny, tiny little Game Boy Micro. It was like oh, I wasn't done with tiny Game Boy. Game Boy. This is it's, it is a Game Boy Advance. Okay, so I think we're good. It was literally like a tiny little Game Boy. It was little a Game mini Boy Game Advance. Boy. Little mini Game Boy, cute little mini Game Boy. Yeah, dude, it is tiny. I didn't even know this thing existed. How it's, tiny is it, dude? Like uh, 1.5 times as big as a Game Boy Advance game, I think. <laughs> I don't game. know. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's smaller than the actual game. The no. Game Boy Advance game is actually bigger than... I said 1.5 times as big. Oh, okay. So it would be like 50% bigger. Just a bigger. little bit bigger? Yeah. There was a few accessories for the Game Boy Advance that had come out. And some of them were really cool. And I had no idea that they had ever been released. And some were kind of weird. Like, uh, did you see when the e-reader came out? Yes. It was this thing that was basically the same size as the Game Boy itself. <laughs> It was like a little card swiping thing. If that had e-reader cards, you would buy, which would be different new levels for a certain game or new characters or whatever, and you swipe it through, you need to have two Game Boy Advances linked together with the game and the other Game Boy, and uh, it would put whatever you're swiping through into the game. So it was kind of a pain in the ass to do. You need two Game Boys with a, with a link cable, along with this $100 e-reader, and then these separate cards you buy. So it's a little much to take in, but that's a cool notion and idea i mean fucking a the e-reader the future is 12 years ago i mean can you imagine just having having a card and swiping it through uh your xbox to you know what never mind you could just do that without the card you could just go onto the xbox live store and just buy stuff never mind just go to the nintendo store and buy things the the xbox one will just read your mind automatically and do it for you can't wait for that to happen the connect is always listening, Craig. The do not the doctrination is going to begin soon. Yeah, right. The connect is dead, dude. Don't you know? The connect is dead. That's what Yay. it wants you to think. But um, that was a dumb little thing. I think what wasn't a dumb little thing that was really cool that Nintendo did to help promote health. Uh, they released the Gluco Boy. Did you ever hear about that? What was this? A, a, a gluten-free Game Boy? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. 
it was even cooler. It was a a, glu- a blood glucose level tester. Oh, okay. That you would plug, you would put it into the Game Boy Advanced, uh, right into the game slot, and you know, kids with diabetes and stuff, they would they would test their blood glucose levels, and they were actually fairly accurate with the testing and they gave you kind of rewards with uh if you had good blood glucose levels you would get uh gluco points and you could redeem them by unlocking different and new games in within the gluco boy and if you didn't have blood glucose levels it would be like you are dying you, you are a loser you are dying <laughs> Get away from here. Stop eating sugar. Maybe you come back. Maybe you have a few more points. Maybe we'll let you unlock a game. Yeah, I think it really helped with the fighting the spread of diabetes. Awesome. And there's one more thing before we duck out of here. The Game Boy was so famous and so beloved that, like many public figures, it got its own comic series. Oh, my beloved Game Boy. Game Boy comics. Just like Mr. T. I'm not even kidding. I have one of them. So was it comics that were about the adventures in different Game Boy games that were happening? Nope. Or was it like an actual Game Boy? It was about was a the Game Boy. Character. It was about real people in the real world that designed games or that had a Game Boy and whatever. Living versions of the characters from the Game Boy games. Oh, okay. So like would Captain come N. out of the Game Boy, like a, a little tiny mini version of Tatanga, the evil space mutant that Mario fights right. in Super Mario Land, and all his minions like flooded out and terrorized like this game developer. And Did you ever wonder why that never happened to you? I have. I think I have one where Mario's in space. Or no, no, I have the one with the game developer, and I and in the back of it it says next issue, and it shows the Game Boy in space because it was the first system brought to space and right. Mario oh, shit. Mario like, it back. comes out and helps the astronauts or something. So yeah, the Game Boy. What a great, awesome little iPod looking piece of technology. <laughs> that gets at points in my book. It, it looks like an iPod. The iPod doesn't look it like looks a Game trustworthy. Boy. What can I say? I don't judge a book by its cover, but you look at it and you're like, yeah, it looks trustworthy. It reminds yeah, me of somebody I, I used to know. Next week, tune in, we've got a mystery topic. A Scooby Doo mystery topic. No. No? No. Oh, okay. I got it. Uh, Hardy Boys mystery topic. No. Nancy Drew? The topic isn't about (laughs) mystery itself. It's just a mystery topic because we're not going to tell you what it is. You'll have to wait and find out. What a twist. So make sure you tune in. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you go like us on Facebook. Got to do all those things. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, Email us. Follow us on Instagram, on the Tumblr. Um... There's no A in that word. It's Tumblr. I know, exactly. It's Tumble R, the letter R. Oh, okay. I guess that makes a modicum of sense. <laughs> Yay! Craig made sense. A modicum. That's a big word. That makes me feel important. <laughs> modem is what I heard. Modicum of the future. <laughs> What's modicum mean? <laughs> that was a good Craig impression. <laughs> Laser brain. I'm a modicum. What are you? What do you got? Nothing. I think it's like monogram. Modicum these nuts. (laughs) Get out of here. For real, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. From the secret room, I'm Nathan K. And I'm Craig Modicum of the Future Lewis. Thank you. There's more to come next week. (laughs) (laughs) Keep fucking listening.
in the title Game Boy Color on the logo, the the word color is the different all the different colors that they have released. Other except for clear because that's just a, the sixth. <laughs> that's the color in between the letters. Right. Right. 